Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is David Hederman, a Berlin-based Dublin artist, both music and visual, who released his debut solo album, Pulling at the Briars, on February 9th via Groenland Records. He's also one part of The Immediate, whose track Lonely Locked Up has been the intro music to TPOE almost since the beginning of the show in 2015. So how exciting to finally ask a question about the immediate on the show. But the focus of the next hour is on Pulling at the Briars, a brilliant record that's been a long time in the making. Hederman moved to Berlin a decade and a half ago and it sounds like he himself was surprised that he took his guitar with him. Some of the tracks here stretch as far back as then. He says the initial months and years in Berlin were shaped by intensive periods creating art while cultivating a community of like-minded creatives. He took part in regular music sessions, eventually inviting musicians to his Kreuzberg studio to play together. This ritual not only served as an invigorating social outlet, but through playing music, Hederman was able to process several informative events that occurred throughout his 20s and 30s, he says. Recorded live over five days with Brendan Jenkinson in Sonic Studios in Stony Batter, Pulling at the Briars was produced by Connor O'Brien, his former bandmate in The Immediate and who we all know from Villagers. Other collaborators include Peter Broderick, David Tapley, Corey Blair and Aidan Gorman. I don't think David Hederman has live plans announced right now, but I think they're in the works. And you'll hear me refer once or twice in the interview to a show he did in the Workman's Cellar in Dublin before Christmas, which featured pretty much everybody from the album recording bar Peter Broderick. It looked like Hederman was loving being back on stage. It was great to be there. And we talk a little bit about that show as well. Coming up is a track-by-track run through the album with David Hederman from his apartment in Berlin. You can buy Pulling at the Briars at Groenland.com. I'll put a link in the podcast episode description so you can find it very easily. Here's David Hederman on The Point of Everything. Delighted to finally get to chat on the podcast with one of the members of The Immediate, 
David Hederman. Lonely Locked Up has been my intro music for almost the entire run. That's 295 plus episodes. I think you might be 296. The royalty check is in the post. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get lost. Um, but how do you look back on that time and what can you remember? Tell me about Lonely Locked Up. I know we're going back to the mid noughties now. Yeah, Jesus. Well, thanks for the royalty contributions. Kind of gets me through Christmas time. Um, yeah, God, that's mad. Lonely Locked Up. I actually, I, m- myself and Connor used to write most of the, we were the kind of writing duo. Peter wrote a bit too, but yeah, Lonely Locked Up. It's a kind of an, an attempt of, I was trying to write a song about those things that you couldn't really touch, like those kind of feelings that you couldn't really put words on at all. And uh, yeah, myself and Connor had a great way of, he'd kind of find my lyrics or I'd write more kind of folk songs and he kind of pimped them up a little bit. So yeah, kind of cause he, he was produced, he produced the, the, the album coming out and uh, yeah, we still have that kind of dynamic, you know, like he has something that I don't have and I think it's vice versa. I have something he doesn't have. So it's, it's quite a complimentary thing we still have going on. Yeah. I'm I'm guessing that that's about 20 years ago that you would have started up. Is it 2004 there, thereabouts? Yeah. Yeah. Like we were even playing concerts. Uh, like we all went to school together. So that's where I would have learned how to play guitar and kind of sing. And then we would be every Friday in each other's houses watching Jules Holland. And I, we went to college and that's when it kind of became serious. But I guess before we got signed, they were the exciting times because we didn't really know what we were doing. You know, there was a kind of, there was kind of a chemistry that you just don't have after your 20, after your thirties. I don't know. You know, I saw that band uh, search results in Dublin in December and they kind of, I just saw exactly that thing of like, not really knowing what you're doing but it's something untouchable it's great yeah uh have you ever gone back and listened to that album that debut album that you made yeah i i actually it's it's in my kitchen on the shelf here and uh i don't really but i did give it to my neighbor my neighbor just across the hall and he's a german guy and he very germanly just told me that it was crap (laughs) (laughs) oh really (laughs) yeah a couple of weeks ago and he he hopes that my new stuff is better so i hope i don't let him down yeah (laughs) i don't go back so much to be honest to it 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 wasn't a touchstone for you when you were thinking about putting this album together you weren't thinking this is the sound i want or this is the sound that i want to stay away from People still come up to me in Dublin, which is lovely when I'm back home and they they still talk about that album. Um, I feel it was a quite a, we were just so young and like we had label man, you know, telling us what to do or what, what we should be. And I think it was great that Connor and myself and Pete, like we could keep that kind of authenticity. But I feel that like we were in that time of the indie music and like, yeah so it was quite a yeah we just i don't know like uh the production wise i wouldn't be as poppy you know what i mean and even with this kind of the album i've just done even working with connor was trying to keep it as authentic sounding as possible you know because we me and him work quite differently in the in the studio i was lucky enough to see at the workman's uh cellar just before christmas playing these songs i was wondering is it the first time that you had 
played them in full in front of people, played a full gig in a long time. That was a great, I really enjoyed that. That was um, the label here. Um, they asked me to do a concert in Dublin just before Christmas. Like she's a friend of mine from the label and she was like, I, I'd love you to have as much as the original lineup as possible who recorded the album. So yeah, I I mean, getting Connor and also Tapley, uh, like Peter Broderick, I think was the only one who couldn't make the gig that night. He, he had other things on, but uh, it was such a special thing to do because I haven't played with a band like that for years. You know, I, I've just been playing with two other people. Mostly we just meet, we were meeting once a week in my studio. So it was a more kind of, oh, I, I've always played kind of sessiony kind of just like, hanging out with friends, sitting down and just playing. So that to me was like putting on a show, you know, and also, yeah, just having my whole family. Also, yeah, some of my old teachers from school were there. And yeah, it was quite, yeah, it was a beautiful night. Like, and thank God we played well, you know, because <laughs> I think we had just two days rehearsal before a day off and then we did it. So it was great. It was really, a, I loved playing that gig, you know. Did it feel like a familiar feeling that stepping into, you know, the band dynamic of playing with all these people as opposed to just playing with two others kind of uh, just regularly in the studio? Yeah, you, you definitely can play less guitar. <laughs> but uh, I tell you, like I played this Young Hearts. Um, it was a gig about a week before and we were we had just come from uh, Leitrim and I was playing with Pearly. I share a studio with Pearly here. I don't know if you know that band. And um, they're, they're a two piece here. They supported yeah, you in the yeah. Workman Cellar as well, I think, the week after. Yeah, they actually met on a, I think they they had a date going to an immediate gig. Oh, uh, no way. <laughs> yeah. So when I met them here, they were kind of like, I think they had just gotten together and then they went on a date and that was, that kind of solidified the whole thing for them. But yeah, we basically played with them in Leitrim and then we came to Dublin. And I remember after the concert, we were in this small bar playing a session and it was so good, like just no rules, basically the Guinness tap just constantly on. And it was, I was kind of, it was great, but we didn't sleep very much. And then we had to get to Dublin the next morning. So that was the first taste of, oh shit, being back on the road and what that kind of entails, you know? And there's a guy I play with, Aiden, and he was, I was trying to find somewhere in Dublin that I could lay down my head for a few hours. And he was like, no, no, you got to, you got to just pull through it. And uh, I remember I was quite self-conscious. That was just a trio we were, and just being back in Dublin and just, I kind of felt like, God, all the people I know are here and they're looking at me, you know what I mean? And not judging, but I, I felt quite intimidated by it. But then for that, the Workman's gig, it was great. Like it was, yeah, definitely. I mean, at the moment, I'm trying to think about how do I put the band together, like to tour this album and stuff and kind of being split between Germany and Ireland and just the way the music business is about like how, you know, expensive it is to tour a band and whatever. So I'm I'm just trying to keep it authentic. But at the moment, I'm building the band up kind of not from scratch. There's like the originals who played with me here, but 
Yeah, I, de- I would love that down the line of like having a full band and hopefully, I mean, I'm sure it will, it will come, but it's all about, it's all about logistics and money, isn't it? And I think for me, the most important thing is that it sounds authentic, you know? talk through the album we're going to talk through pulling at the bars track by track starting with the opening song heard you calling which a really evocative start to the album i think it's a really evocative album as well but you sing in the opener then the morning takes her and leaves this song in your head kind of the idea of this music sticking around is that one of the ideas behind the album that you had all of this music built up on you and you almost felt like you know, after years and years of not making music ma- or making music yourself, you wanted to actually, okay, I have an album in me. It's time I needed to get this off my shoulders sort of a thing. Mm, yeah, yeah. I did, I did a radio interview yesterday where they, he was kind of laughing at me for spending 15 years on an album. <laughs> and you know the way radio people, they're so, the subtleties of the way they use their voice because it's non-visual. And I almost called him up on it going like, you know, not everything should, like, it's just the way that things are today, that everything needs to happen now, you know? So I kind of love this idea, like, as much as possible without force, you know? Like, even, like, say, to be honest, a lot of the songs, I don't really remember uh, writing them. And I was in, after yesterday, I was, I went to my little music studio and I'm, trying to stay ahead of the game because the label have said to me, is it going to take you another 15 years to make another album? And, you know, what can I say? All I can say is, let's see. But I think now that I'm kind of, I'm going to my, like I have now a music studio, so I go there twice a week. So the music now is kind of in in the focus rather than the visual art, even though I'm still painting and stuff. But yeah, I, I, I kind of like that um, thing of not really knowing where they come from and I think I'm a big believer in that uh, craft that if you just turn up every day some something comes out rather than you know you're just turning up to kind of receive something rather than contrive something you know and that line you said uh, from from the song that kind of sums it up you know what I mean it's like that that line was actually written about a life model that I worked with so that I can remember. 
remember, and it was something where ten years older than me, and he's just an amazing. He's, we're still very good friends, but he never had a mobile phone, so I always tried to contact him to work in the studio. Just that, like changing things, that they can get poetic in a way, you know. But that originally came from a guy that I worked with who didn't have a phone, and I just always wanted to contact him. He was quite amused to me, actually, like quite a, I'd say, a bit of a man crush in that kind of way, you know. Did it take a while to pick up music again when you moved to Berlin, like a decade and a half ago, or was it something that you always kept going? Yeah, I was actually su- surprised that when I moved here first, I actually took my guitar with me, and I remember after the immediate, I just was not—I didn't even want to look at a guitar, to be honest. Um, and I lived for a year. We lived in a house together, myself and Connor, and then I lived, I lived in Ranla for a year in a house share, and that was a great time because I I moved in with four people, and there was one guy who had these beautiful guitars and we just used to play for fun every Sunday. So I remember that was quite a, I just loved playing with somebody different, not with no pressure. And just the fact that I brought my guitar straight with me to Berlin kind of was a sign that it it was something that I would do more as a kind of catharsis, like just to kind of sit in the kitchen and, and play. But I never, like my, my focus was to, start painting properly again like full-on you know but I think it was more this like you know music has always been a kind of I've never gone to therapy touch wood so I think it's been something that's kind of kept me on the straight or just to be able to kind of process things or you know a kind of thing you know did you find that on this album? I think that might be something that I wanted to ask you later about a certain thing. But uh, I mean, there is there is an idea of catharsis on the album. Did like did you find that in actually writing the songs? Yeah, I find it mostly at the moment within just singing the songs. You know, so when we were meeting up every Wednesday in my studio, I started to take singing a bit more seriously too. Like I just like the idea of what singing can do to people, you know, mostly selfish reasons for myself, you know, and then if people get something from it, then that's great, you know, but yeah, like I just know that if I wasn't feeling good and then I would go into play and sing with my friends, I'd just instantly feel better afterwards, you know? Yeah. Where painting can be a lot more frustrating, like, yeah. Drawing like from life has the same effect. Like it's quite, It's basically, it just takes you out of your own head and drawing from life is quite, like when you have a model in front of you, there's no time to think about things. So you're just quite engaged, which is quite a, yeah, it's a very special place to be in. And I think it's the same like singing, it's kind of trance-like or, so yeah, definitely therapeutic.
Track two is called Blue Jeans. There's a line in the first song, you talk about Marlon Brando. Did someone leave Marlon Brando all alone, repeating the same lines? And then we get a line early in Blue Jeans that say, I'll never go inside the movie. I watch it all from my bed. Tell me about uh, the influence of movies on you. Is that just another art form that informs? It's funny you say that, actually, because that's a nice connection. Um, I used to have these days uh, I still do, but like basically it's like a day off where I just kind of stay in bed and I just watch like, I think at the time I was, and I still am, I was always obsessed about interviews or just the way people would kind of, yeah, like Marlon Brando was a big, just watching the way that he would kind of command the interview or like his presence or things people would talk about. And that would be me kind of filling myself up with inspiration about things and yeah the Mar Marlon Brando I was obsessed with because he in the end he kind of was quite a mad he kind of like a bit like um Orson Welles he kind of cut himself off from he kind of blew so many bridges just from being kind of authentic in his way and I always admire that and the sad thing about Marlon Brando was is that he was they say that he was living alone and basically like having his dinner on his own but setting the table for all his friends who weren't there you know what i mean so this kind of demise of somebody yeah especially in that kind of hollywood world and then to connect it with the blue jeans thing it's like yeah i don't know it's something about keeping a distance from not having to totally get lost in the world but keeping a distance from it and watching it I mean, I think I still do that, as in making art kind of gives me a distance. Also, maybe living in, in Germany, you know, it gives me this kind of distance. Like I'm still listening to RTE radio nearly every day uh, with my fist in the air. <laughs> my girlfriend always says, why are you doing this to yourself? And I think Irish people have this thing where we like to stand in the room on our own and hear some bullshit being said on the radio and curse it you know what I mean so yeah, yeah I haven't shaken that so that's kind of the distance I'm talking about like you don't have to go into the drama you can kind of observe it a little bit and I've always felt like that even even uh yeah just still living in a foreign place and feeling foreign you know what I mean Permanent Blush is track number three. There's a lovely video of this featuring lots of VHS clips from your youth with, I believe, your former immediate bandmate, Peter. Was it nice putting this video together? I presume that it was you who put put it all together, was it? Yeah. Well, it was actually my partner, Yuka. Um, it was a thing where I, you know, when the label were asking me about music videos and you know, I kind of grew up with that, like the MTV time. And I, I, I just kind of thought like, when I heard how much music videos cost, I was like telling the label, okay, fuck this. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to spend this kind of money on it. And my, myself and my partner, Yuka, we basically have ran the life drawing classes together for years. So we, we have quite a good collaboration between the two of us. And I, I don't think I could have done this album without her in the way that she did all the pho photographs, the portraits for the press and stuff, and also the videos. So yeah, this was a, a, 
an old video from when we were in school and uh, she's got a very she's japanese so she's got a very quirky sense of humor taking the piss playing with everything you know so i actually didn't want really to use that footage i just thought it was it looked like little rich kids like in a fucking private school just being i actually when i looked at it i was quite like thinking jesus you are really quite a little prick when you were <laughs> age you know she kind of like even with the lyrics permanent blush and my friend peter he has this kind of um complexion pinky complexion so it's actually it was just quite funny and she kind of changed the tone of the song because the song is was originally written around one of the lockdowns so it was one of the last kind of songs i it could have been the last song i wrote and you know it's even funny that the words in it about like i can't touch you right now which sounds a bit dodgy but it was all about that time and then this thing about um yeah it was more about take care of yourself until we can meet again but it, from the video it kind of changed more into this like talking to your younger self about you know telling your younger self it's okay you know the, the video does show you uh singing into a mic when i'm guessing you're around six something like that when you're very young anyway was music always number one for you was art always right there as well how did how did those two mix when you were younger and thinking about what you wanted to do i think in that in that little piece you're talking about it's that's more performing because I, I think I, i've definitely changed but i performance was always a big thing like i've four sisters so that no brothers so it was always quite like look at me um so i, I always took the guitar in my mom's or my parents place and i used to one of the first things i remember was speedy gonzalez you know that 60s single yes. yeah. i used to put that on fast speed on the record player and put on a mexican hat and mime that that was my party piece so it was definitely more performance thing. And I think when I met, when myself and Connor would have been writing songs, he's such a disciplined kind of musician. Like we're very different. He's, I think he's one of the most talented guitar players I've still ever met. When we were together working, we shared this discipline of, I would share more about performing or kind of this, or writing songs in a certain way. And I learned a lot about the kind of craft of writing a song through him you know so i think for me that was more performance and but i still i'm i'm super interested by what performance is because when we were in the immediate it was a certain way to perform like we were looking at bands like from england and it was this kind of generic way of like this is how you present a show you know and i think we were quite good in in, in the early days of the immediate of putting on a show because we always had segues there was never silence and there was always this like there's a video somewhere of peter D peter from from the immediate dressed in a he's wearing like his granny's old dress or someone's dress and just absolutely like it would be something you would see in berlin when i first came here on a at a performance rather than a concert and even that i was telling you about barnaby he was a life model, but also a musician and a performer. And his performances just kind of blew me and blew me away in that way of what a performance can be. You know what I mean? Because in the music world, it can be so or 
it can be so like, this is the set list and this is what we're going to do. And this is like the immediate, we were super tight when we got signed about how the show, everything was totally choreographed. And I think I learned here, it's quite a Berlin thing as well of like, it can be really anything you want. And that can be, <laughs> that can be a bad thing too. You know what I mean? In performance art, you know what I mean? In general, but yeah. So if if you always had a fascination with performing in terms of music, did you feel like you filled that with maybe just painting, say, in, in the past few years? Did you get the same feeling in some way from painting in some way? Or was it something that you were missing that you were thinking like, if I make an album, you know, I will get to perform it? Yeah, I think the best thing I had in the last years was when I had my, I had this gorgeous studio in Kreuzberg. And I gave it up three years ago, but I had it a good 10 years. And there I was running life drawing classes for like four days a week. And that was my kind of focus. I played music once a week there. But I remember I got into a really good flow. I think it was the best flow of like art making that I've ever had, where the work became quite relevant to what was going on around me. And I also had a community of people who were coming was essentially like a school not it wasn't an institution because it was just my studio but I basically curated the place as in the building was beautiful but I used to make playlists for each class like obsessively making these playlists and then what I was doing was I'd have like a one and a half meter by one and a half meter board and I was drawing like directly so it's funny because business-wise I was always losing money on those classes, but I actually started exhibiting that those drawings. So people would kind of come to learn how to draw from me, but because I was then drawing so big, that was quite like a performance with people around me. And I turned the music up super loud and I'd be going at it crazy. Like, cause it, once again, I had developed, there's a thing between with me craft and performance. So once you have the craft nailed, then the performing comes because it's kind of, you know, I, I can't stand people who don't have the craft and they perform, you know what I mean? I kind of like having that foundation of you've done your hard work and then you can let it be what it wants to be. So I think, I mean, now I, I still have, in the immediate, I wasn't so disciplined. I mean, I was younger, but I definitely have a discipline now of, I treat the music business now or even this album exactly like when I was drawing. It's just once I know I go twice a week to play, I'm kind of doing my work and the, you know, the rest is up to whatever, <laughs> the outside exterior, you know.
Track number four is Leaves. Lovely song, just less than three minutes long. Is this song set in Berlin? You're talking about like walking through the cold streets, stepping on the leaves. I'm guessing this is about Berlin, but... Mm, yeah, it was one of the first songs that I... I think Dad and Blue Jeans were the first ones. And actually, I can give you the perfect example. I'm living in a different flat, but like here's my window. So you can see like see the way there's a big tree and then there's loads of you can see there it's like a square of all these apartments it's like a courtyard and um i was kind of obsessed because in the summertime the tree is full of leaves so you don't see your neighbors but your windows are always open so you hear those kind of summer sounds like spring noises people yeah i don't know fighting or fucking i don't know like all those kind of things but you didn't see anything and then in the winter time, all the leaves are gone and you don't hear anything because the windows are closed. So it was just that kind of, um, yeah, observing. It was one of the first songs I wrote here. So it was quite about observing the differences of like basically being here and in Ireland. And yeah, it's quite, a, it actually nearly wasn't going to make the album because it was so old. But um, thank God the label actually, yeah, the label actually, pushed me a bit to put that on and I was glad like we just that's going to be the last single and that's going to album next week and we just finished the the music video me and Yuka two days ago so this is a song that's like 15 years old or something yeah yeah it's it's one of the oldest yeah how has Berlin changed in the years that you've been there in this 15 year or so gap just because you hear a lot more about the housing crisis over there Mm. Uh, you hear so much about Irish people going over there. And I've seen just on Instagram, it seems like more people are, you know, struggling to find housing. Is that the main thing that you've seen change over the years? Is it still as appealing to a creative person, whether in music or in art? Yeah, I have to, it's, I have to, you always have to be careful of these things because I'm also 15 years older and my kind of things have changed for me just because of the age, but when I moved here first, I was like a hellraiser. Like I was gone. I had, I was living in bars and I was like, um, also big into the techno scene, going dancing and just, I was, I was quite blown away by how you could, if you had an idea, you could just do it here. Like for example, that idea of doing life drawing, I there's no way I could do what I did here in Ireland because I would have been shut down for insurance reasons. Like just that kind of thing that happens, I, I can say from Dublin or, or was happening. And I definitely think like people ask me about, like I think I'd like to be in Ireland at the moment. Like I think I've done my time here. Kind of When I left that studio, I was quite like, Okay, but I'm very grateful that I have a, an apartment that um, I, I still rent here, but it's kind of protected, you know. And I do feel sorry. I mean, I don't know, because I'm not out as much. I don't really go out so much anymore. Um, so I don't, I can't really comment on it, but I definitely think it has changed in terms of the rent. So say if I moved out and you moved, you came from Ireland and you moved into my apartment, you'd probably pay more than double for my flat you know what I mean so that like when I moved here it was like you just didn't need to think about money even though I wasn't making any money do you know what I mean you just got to if you knew that I used to 
basically drink for free in a bar I used to DJ records and I just I had my own little community and I just didn't have to feel that pressure of like I remember in Dublin if I went out I would wake up the next morning with the fear of going shit how much money have I spent <laughs> and I you know I, I mean I'm back there quite a bit so it hasn't gotten any um, easier <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah so it definitely has I think like everywhere, like all around, I think it's so tough, but Berlin is still quite a place. Yeah, it just still has that spirit of it's possible to do it, but I definitely think it's quite harder now, you know. Also, the the it's kind of getting scary here because of the, I mean, I think it's scary in Ireland too, but all this left-right politics, you know, that's kind of kicking in here. And I think when it's kicking in here, it's quite... Yeah, people are quite freaked out because of the history here, you know. song number five tell me about the opening lines here i'll read them out just just so you have them i found out i didn't need to change i found a way how to get out of the way some of us may fall apart some of us are shaking still tell me about uh this song yeah uh shaking still was the name of a it was the name of the first exhibition i brought back to dublin so i kind of like this idea of yeah shaking St- st- the, the paintings I, I I exhibited there was a young two young guys who asked me was it all about like panic attacks or mental health or stuff like this and for me I never really thought of it like that but I was so happy that they could connect that my drawings were quite relevant to young people they got something out of it you know because when I was younger nobody was talking about that kind of stuff and I think yeah those lyrics are more about maybe being a bit older and not really care not really caring about fitting in or or learning this thing like I think from drawing that the whole thing for me is about getting out of your own way and I'm not really saying that I've mastered that because we're human and I think sometimes we're we always do get into our own way but just that kind of idea that if you can just get out of your own way and turn up to do your craft bit by bit, things will happen, you know, like, I'm a big believer that like, yeah, we get in our own way quite a lot, you know, and I think the 
Falling Apart. That, that was also one of the most recent songs that I wrote. And that song kind of, I'm quite happy with that because it, it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, not the idea. The idea was quite close to my heart, but the structure of the song came quite, um, I don't know where it came from. I actually don't really remember writing it, but I remember singing it with the girl, Corey, who used to come to the studio. And she's Amer she's an American girl. And we just loved that kind of sound that our, happened when our voices were singing together. It was quite a magical thing. It kind of an Americana sound that I kind of liked, you know. And uh, yeah, so it's quite a song about just kind of yeah, getting out of your own way. Yeah. Track number six is In Your, <laughs> in your Own Way, <laughs> which sounds uh, apt. Uh, it's an instrumental song and one I think that is quite old as well. You say that it was a piece that you started writing the year that you left Dublin for Berlin. Um, how does this song develop over the years? Is this a song that you're kind of just playing in that studio in Kreuzberg and it kind of clicks? Yeah, I actually didn't. I, I, I started it when I was living in that house in Ranla. This guy, he had very nice acoustic guitars. Um, so the thing was, is I actually couldn't play what I heard in my head at the beginning. I actually technically couldn't do it. Like I'm, and uh, but it was always a song that I kind of, I definitely knew it was going to be instrumental, and I, I just always kind of was interested that it was kind of like a film piece of music, which always made me think about maybe making sound and vision together because I like also the videos they were made on Super 8 which is kind of like it's now become quite a I don't know a hip thing so I, I don't know but when I was in art college I loved Super 8 I tried to do it uh, for my degree show and I ended up scrapping it to actually just concentrate on painting again but I was always interested in this sound and vision and what happens when you put it together something I think I'd like to develop a bit more I'd always play that song and sometimes it would grow and then I'd cut it up. And I don't know, I, with Aiden, who I play with, he plays clarinet. So I was always interested in this, the clarinet and guitar and singing. And the, he was doing kind of counter melodies when we would just kind of play it together in the studio. But the real magic was when we actually recorded it live because, and I'm so glad because I remember, I think, it was I did a life drawing class before I went to record the album and the model afterwards we were having a beer here in the kitchen and I played him the song and it was it was sounding super rigid and super tight like there was no flow to it and he's an older German guy and he was kind of like looking at me as if to say that is a piece of shit that song you know like just kind of going like really and also the timing in it is quite weird like the time signatures not in a clever way it's just the way that i kind of i think after the immediate too i quite stepped away from like the songs are quite simple but then there's kind of these odd timing things that i just learned and i learned that if if i just had to if i learned them myself then the, the band would just have to learn that too so i remember being in the studio and connor was kind of like Connie would be like that with me, where he's like, oh, he's changing it every time, he's doing something different. And Peter Broderick was a guy that Connor brought into the studio. And I had been a big fan of some of his songs that he had released. 
and he was he was only in the studio for two days and he basically with Aiden they kind of did a counter melody arrangement to it and it was just a magical we, like everything was done live in the studio but that I will remember that so well and I remember thinking even if that song just comes out of these these recording sessions I'll be happy because it was quite cosmic like also Corey who was normally playing guitar she went on the roads and it was just everything coming together perfectly you know tell me about that recording process because if the album uh, as the press release says is 15 or 16 years in the making the album was recorded in about five or six days I think with all of the friends that we would have seen in Dublin the likes of Corey David Tapley Connor O'Brien was on drums Hugh is on bass and then you had Brendan Jenkinson was uh, doing his bits as well so I'm guessing that the recording process is something that you look back on maybe your mind was a bit fried from doing it all in five or six days but I'm guessing it was also a really uh, enjoyable fun experience as well it was amazing it was so good it was like we did look at studios in Berlin to do it but I think like through Connor brought in Peter and then Brendan works with Connor who I'd met a couple of times. And I just loved that guy's nature, like quite a humble, super talented guy. And P- yeah, Peter Broderick. And then Tapley, like I've, Tapley is a good friend of mine. He's with my sister. So it felt quite family to do it that way. Tapley played bass and pedal steel on the album. So in the recording process, I you know, like there's paintings that I've made I still work on them that are six years old and they, they break my heart, like just trying to finish them. And I know it from a lot of musicians too, who work on an album and it's just, it's that thing about being in your own way. When you, when you put so much weight on the thing, it's hard to get it out there. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's your baby and you don't want it to come out into the world until it's totally perfect. So with the recording process, I, kind of chiseled away at the song so long that I definitely wanted, I didn't want to record to click tracks at all. I wanted the band and the core band was myself, Aiden and Corey, who were based in Berlin. So in the studio, we were actually kept like in the middle of the recording studio. Connor was off in the drum room. I could see Connor, but he was in the drum and Tapley was in the back room just playing the bass and the pedal steel was put on after. So Listen, it was cool, like Sonic Studios in Stony Batter. And then we had Walsh's pub afterwards for the pint. And it was just having five days, like we were just so focused. It was so good. It was like, and I think like, I think if I'm going to do another one, I'd do it in the exact same setting. Like just quite like, yeah, just trying to do a not a live album, because of course we did overdubs and stuff, but just that feeling of like, kind of cosmic gathering people together and it's your intuition of bringing the right people together you know because I think like I think Connor said it or there was like there was about four of them that just said like that was one of their happiest experiences in a studio you know and I think the studio can be quite a yeah hit or miss kind of experience you know but we I was very lucky that the label put up the money for us to travel to go there to make that kind of part very comfortable for us and that's where the money went into actually just the recording five days and doing it and then the mixing afterwards so yeah it was great super good 
caught without a ticket Call me on the phone Say, I need you now I really need you now Track number seven is called What We Do and I have it written that it's probably the most like an immediate track. I don't know if you would agree, disagree. Um, it does sound like Connor was integral to you recording these songs. It's, I think that I remember you telling a story at that gig in the Workman Cellar that Connor was kind of like, it's now or never if you're going to record these songs, something like that. Mm. I think also that song was the only song at the gig that Connor got to count in as a drummer. <laughs> there we go. That's a big thing with me. It's where like the musicians, they just have to that's just the way that I work like I'm and it's not it's just I'm not I'm more intuitive kind of musician so I'm not someone who can I wouldn't be a session musician myself you know so that was a big deal for Connor and myself or for me anyway where I would just have to show Connor and the rest of them that like also Hugh because he jumped in on the bass for the gig like we hadn't played together before Tapley brought him in I had just met him and I, I just liked his vibe. It's kind of that humble vibe. He's like a, just a super player without the ego. And that's exactly what I love, like just having that kind of chemistry. So he was quite, we did a rehearsal before the gig, just me, him and Aiden. And I think he was a bit surprised too, that it's like, I don't really count the songs in. So it's kind of, it, you just let me start and then you join in, you know? I always love that the way you say Dylan would, would be like that. Like, it's just like, my job is to have nailed the song so that I can hold it together for the musicians. But yeah, what we do is, but you should definitely hear the folk. Like, I'm sure I'll be doing some gigs solo. And that song sounds not completely different, but it sounds much more folky. And I think in the studio, it was quite poppy. Nicely poppy, kind of. I, I think once again, the Rhodes, Corey's playing the Rhodes on that, and it, it kind of, yeah, kind of has a kind of more poppy vibe to it. And was it that Connor did kind of push you into making this album, kind of thinking about doing an actual album and getting these songs down? Mm, well, Connor, see, kind of like me and Connor would always be like to this day, like we're quite or just like because I didn't have brothers so he would have been Pete too like we're still tight as ever and that kind of trio relationship that we have is I kind of yeah I'm so grateful because I, I know people who moved to Berlin who kind of left everything and they don't have that kind of mirror like if I do something a bit odd like Connor or Peter will be the first to call me up on it which is I always listen to those and vice versa you know i'd be the same with them so yeah with connor he'd recorded once every couple of years i'd write a song and i'd be in connor's place and he's got the studio in his own home so we would just kind of record and he'd always kind of like connor's great like that where he's be he'd always 
try and push me in a in a not for the making an album, just to kind of continue doing the craft of songwriting. The main reason was is that like this all happened quite fast because I was a I was close to the record label here because I used to do um I used to design album covers for the label and that used to kind of drip some money into me to pay the bills or whatever here. And I became friends with the label. The the label were it's it's kind of a small independent, I don't even know if that word exists. Yeah, you know what I mean? It was just a small label, but they were doing kind of indie bands, but they also had like quite a lot of back catalogue of say when Brian Eno used to come to Berlin or like some of the Krautrock people, which I, I love that type of music. So I was always, I became quite friendly with the the woman who gave me the, the deal from Grunland Records. And she used to buy paintings from me every couple of years. She has quite a good collection of my work. And we just had this quite a good relationship of yeah she understood what I was doing and I think Connor did too and I came back last year it was this is mad like I came back last Christmas not Christmas before last and it was the first Christmas after all the lockdowns so I hadn't seen Connor I didn't leave Berlin for those two two and a half maybe three years which normally I'd be back at least twice a year like to Dublin but it was a nice time. Like it was actually nice to kind of not move for that time. Like I had quite a good experience over lockdown and I came back and I was doing a portrait of my old English teacher from school who was actually at the gig. Remember I told the story about going to Pompeii and taking pictures of all the ceramic uh, cocks in Pompeii. He was actually there and he, he was a teacher to me that like, he actually, I have it here. He gave me his Leonard Cohn poetry book from when he was a student. So he, we went to his home. He'd bought a painting off me. And part of the deal was, is that I would do a portrait of him. So myself and Yuka went to his house. We did the portrait and we had a great night together in his place. And I missed the, I was meant to go back to my mother's house and I missed the bus or something. And then I asked Connor if we could stay at his place. And we met Connor in town and Connor just turned to me and he said, look, this is a really good time now to, to record because it was after all the lockdowns, the studios were quiet. All the musicians were just still kind of getting their stuff together to get back on the road or whatever. Like Brendan would have been quiet. Well, actually, you know, he's always busy, but he just, Connor just said to me, now's the time. So I came back to Berlin and I met my friend for a coffee and I said, like, yeah, Connor said, now it's a good time to do it. And of course, she from the label, she was like, and, you know, she's thinking Connor's involved, like Villagers is involved. This is in the way of like, it's good for her, the business, too. So it all worked out. And then we basically she signed me like and we we that was Christmas. And then we were in Stony Batter in March. So all the all the Irish lads were quite surprised that we recorded in five days, then we mixed it. And she'd be quite in a good way German in that way of like she had the plan and I had to follow it. But it was good because it was there was no messing. It was just like, okay, also with the videos just giving me the deadlines and me and you could taking care of everything. 
And it was quite manageable in that way, like that German efficiency of like, let's do this, you know. And so Connor, everybody was quite shocked that I actually had the record, the physical record in my hand by June, I think, which is quite mad. Like some, you know, it all happened in the same year, you know. I think I couldn't handle if it had taken three years or something. I don't think, also with the music industry, I don't think I would have had the patience to, to do it that way, you know, so, yeah. Why'd you have to leave the place they set up for you to be strong? I don't want to be strong And the times were hard when no one knew Just what it was to be true Oh, I'm told there was a few Track number eight is Fairy Tale. Do you want to tell me about this song? Yeah, I guess it's quite, it was really nice. One of my sisters, she was at the concert at that Workman's and I dedicated it to her. It, that song really connected with her. I, that song is quite literally about like just coming to Berlin and like packing your bags and, you know, pursuing your dream. But is it, a, you know, is it just a fairy tale or, you know, because many times I really thought, what am I doing here? You know, like. Um, I even thought like it's funny now I've been here 16 years and I was when I was on that rabbit hole with Yuka last night watching Talking Heads we also watched David Bowie who would have been a huge influence to me when I was 12, 13 and I was showing Yuka the song Five Years so I used to always have this thing in Berlin where I would go five years like, like five years is a good time to have an idea executed and succeed or fail. But it's now like 16 years and I'm still kind of, you know, doing it. So it's that's all about like basically packing your bags, whether it's physical bags or not, and just setting yourself to try and do something, you know. Poker Face is one of the singles that you released. It's the penultimate song on the album. You say it could be seen as a love song, but also in a world that doesn't make much sense at the moment. I'm guessing that rings true even more now in the first month of the year. Like you say, you know, the protests that are taking place in Germany against the the creeping far right. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know, it's that thing of nobody nobody can show me or you know it's more about like you need to take care of yourself before you can do anything you know but that's kind of what i mean by that it's more this like also i mean i feel so many people whose heads are just going nuts because of what's happening in the world or how we share it on social media and i've had conversations here recently about it where I can see that people are so, which is a great thing of sharing information, but really they're not doing the work on themselves, which is, you know, it's, I don't know. I I find it quite, there was a guy from a newspaper who asked me to comment on 
on the situation here and the situation on, in Ireland. And basically I find it quite insane the way in Ireland there's one side. Like, you know, also say with Palestine or Israel, it's quite like where here it's kind of another side. And I actually said to the journalist, I said, are you actually trying to crucify me <laughs> by trying to comment on this? And for me, it's like, I'm quite a big believer in, you know, focusing on your own, not selfishly, but your own self or your own community. So the most political thing I've ever done was having those classes in Kreuzberg for 10 years where I opened up my studio to let people come and do the work for themselves. You know, I'm much more, yeah. I mean, I, I do understand that if everybody was like me, we would have been taken over by fascists long ago. And I get, I get it, but I definitely think that to connect it to Poker Face, it's like, I don't know how to say it properly, but it's like, focus on yourself without sounding selfishly, you know what I mean? So that's kind of what that's about. Yeah, yeah like the, the line that I think you sing with Gusto is everybody's talking to me, telling how they feel, and the feeling is loneliness, which you sing mm. with like a bit of oomph there. I think that's what you're getting at uh, there with that as well. Everybody's talking to me, telling how they feel, and the Because I, that line actually came from when I would do my classes and I was in such good flow drawing, but I would see, you know, a lot of people who didn't pursue drawing to be artists, but they just pursued it as some sort of activity that I could see people were quite lonely and they used this kind of space because my studio was quite very open. Like you could, anybody could walk into it and anybody was welcome to come and draw. So I just, I was always quite aware of the loneliness and also in a city like Berlin, you know, there's quite a lot of lonely people and this city can be amazing, but it can also be quite a a dark place if, if you're not, you know, good. And also I think I've been quite blessed that I, I, I kind of am quite good with my own company, you know, I'm quite, um, I think I like being a painter in that way because it's quite, but then doing the album was something that, I turned 40 and I was like, maybe this is good to make me stop getting a bit weird. Because I think if, you know, some painters, you know, if you're left to your own devices, you can definitely get quite weird. And I think not that I was heading there and maybe I'll head there later, but say the, the collaborative thing of working with musicians, like there's a certain language you have to have to speak to lead musicians in a studio for five days, you know you know, or also to go on tour with people or how you want people to play or, you know, and I think that's something that I have about like creating a space, even when we recorded that a lot of the musicians, they seem to just have a lot of fun when we recorded where the process can be quite stressful for some people. So it's more creating that space of, you know, fun. I mean, of course it's work, but it's that idea that, 
good art to me looks like, even if it's painful art, it still looks like the person's been excited when they were making it, you know? And finally, this time is the closing song. Uh, how did it feel putting the finishing touches on the album? Like I asked you earlier, did it feel like a weight off your shoulders? Was it like, did you feel proud when you were able to look at it as a whole, a sense of completion? Yeah, this time was when I recorded, um, I know when we did the mixing for for the album, it was, we did it in um, Hellfire. I actually just Im- imagined the hoof, you know, the way they always say that it was some sort of weird card game. And back in the day, it was this kind of weird club, the Hellfire Club. No, I I actually haven't heard that. You should look up the history of the health, the actual Hellfire Club. It's quite a, it was kind of like uh, the Sixth Sense vibe, like this. No, no, no. Anyway, I'm, I'm ranting here. But basically, we went, we mixed the album up in Hellfire, and uh, I remember that week in the news, Brian Tuberty was going down, but also the. You remember this submarine or sub something was going down. Remember there was like a, a a group of like five people who had gone into this little submarine and it was all they couldn't find them and oh yeah people, yeah it rings a yeah, bell and, yeah and then people were kind of going like oh there's loads of refugees going down why are we giving a shit about this and then this kind of group of whatever and I I remember being in the studio where we were mixing it and we were looking like that was just in our heads this kind of watery thing and this time sounds to me like a little submarine going down somehow. Like, I don't know, that was all quite connected. What was your question? Sorry, I totally hijacked you there. Uh, I think I think it was just putting the finishing touches on the album. Did it feel like a weight off your shoulder? Are you, are you proud of the album of like, you had this idea in your head percolating away over the years and now finally the finishing touches on it, looking at it as a whole. Is there a sense of like, ah, relief, pride? Yeah, yeah, definitely like having this. Also, that I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Like also, also the experience of like just playing with those musicians and working with Connor again, working with Brendan, bringing the people together. And um, yeah, just the cosmicness of it. It's been like, yeah, that for me is something I'll definitely hold on to of like, the way it sounds and just how we did it in such a quick time. And just also kind of reemphasizes to me that kind of thing about how, how I like to make work, like don't think about it too much. And just, even though the songs, not that I, th- I didn't think too much about them. I just, they were just like a, a really a stew bubbling for 15 years, you know what I mean? And just throwing the odd bits into it and seeing what comes out. So yeah, super proud of it. It's kind of, it's funny now because I was yesterday in the studio and I'm working on just trying to keep ahead of things and I'm just kind of working on writing again or having that practice. But it's funny because it's like, oh, now I need to write songs, which is kind of, I just don't want to really have that any, as I go on with this songwriting thing, I want to keep it like, you know, where you don't, it's like putting the blinkers on so I don't really know what I'm doing, you know, so we'll see. Well, I look forward to hearing whatever songs you have in the future. But in the meantime, congrats on pulling at the briars and thanks for chatting through it today. Thanks a lot, Alan.
that time.